And and this uh, this hieroglyphic, it means uh, a place deep below, uh, and and this is is a, a monster. And uh, wait, this is I can't. This is getting really dark. Ben, light. But there's a light switch. Why are you making me hold this giant ass mirror? Ben, light. Uh, there you go. Okay, can you see now? Yep, yep, I can see. Oh, oh, hold on a second. I, I thought, I thought this was the mummy. This is actually fifth. Hey, Corbin, 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 Corbin. Uh, hold on, Jafar. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, I mixed up the bits. We got to start over. We we confused our mirrors for lights movies. Yeah. Um, oh no. They both start. In my defense, they both start in a tomb in Egypt. I think. Maybe not. <laughs> I haven't seen The Mummy in a long time. You must not read from the bit! Theme song. That is one of my my friends and I's favorite uh, just bits we did in high school was whenever we saw somebody reading a book, we would just go for like the Egyptologist, no, you must not read from the book. <laughs> Man, so I actually watched The Mummy recently. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember where. Um, it's a real fun movie. It's yeah, not, it it's not good. Oh no, it's good. It's it, it, <laughs> no, no, no. Bad Boys 2 is good. No, it's The Mummy not. is not good. Let's let's be honest here. Neither of those two films are good. They are both really fun, but they're not good. Yeah, I got the uh, the complete uh, Blu-ray box set, so it's got all of, three of the of Mummy Bad movies. Boys or the Mummy. Because uh, either way, I'm psyched. It's got, I've got five the, Mummy movies. I've got the five. Bad Boys box set too. Uh, it doesn't have all. It doesn't have five because it only has the first Scorpion King. It doesn't okay. have two or three or four. That's fair. Well, it had digital codes for Scorpion King too. I'm pretty sure because all that's on the Voodoo. It has Scorpion King, not Scorpion King two, Scorpion King three, Scorpion King four. There were more Scorpion King movies than Mummy movies? There were more Scorpion yes. King movies than there needed to be. <laughs> All right. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to Draft the Universe. This is the Nerd Fight Battle Royal. This is the podcast where we pick a topic, pick our favorites, and then fight to the death. And then or... talk about Mummy movies for <laughs> ages. <laughs> oh, I figured I that totally was just going to okay be the button. <laughs> I figured we'd just move all that Mummy stuff to the button. <laughs> Maybe we still do. Yeah. Listener, you've got something to look forward to. Yeah. I'm Jafar. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. And we're here today to debate... Well, hold on a second. Henchman. Because <laughs> Ben just opened a beer and... Um, Didn't offer either of us one. Uh, so or he, tell us where he got it from. So, My fridge. So dramatically opening beers has been something that we've reserved for beer drafts. Not true. <laughs> one beer. Dramatically opening beers? I've definitely dramatically opened a beer a number of times on this Why? podcast. It's not good podcast. <laughs> no, no, I it's like it. Fun. It's, a, it's a fun Foley effect. It's, it's by definition not a Foley because it's real. It's an actual <laughs> beer. Foley work is all the things that you have to make. You, like, you take a shoe and a piece of metal and you make it sound like you're opening a beer. They don't know that. 
That's the whole. It's easier to just open a beer. That's yeah. why it's called Foley art. It's a Foley artist. It's not a Foley scientist because if it was as simple as taking a thing and recording it doing the exact thing that you needed to do, everybody could do it. Not in a. a not everyone studio. can do science, Chris. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that, that out is, there. That is a sad but true. Hey, even flat earthers can do science good enough to prove that the earth is not flat (laughs) (laughs) i really need to watch that documentary (laughs) yes you do it's high on my to-do list what else is high on my to-do list is to kick off this debate and the first match is chris versus ben so i'm going to go ahead and reach into this blaster scarred stormtrooper helmet oh it's why is it crispy on the inside because plasma does does things to humans assuming it was a human i don't know are there? The hold em- on a second. The em- no, the Empire's super racist. Yeah, but are Mandalorians human? I mean, as much as any of the ben, other human races that we yeah. Hold on, hold on a second, yeah. Ben. Yeah, that might be the most racist thing you've ever said on this podcast. I hope so. What makes you think that? Mandal- <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it's gonna be one of those. I'm just. It's pretty. It's pretty mild. If that's as bad as it's ever gotten, I'm pretty good with it. <laughs> so it's just. I don't know about you guys. I just think that Mandalorians should go back to their own planet. You know, Mandalore. Yeah, they can't. That's well. That's a thing. There was a war about it. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> you guys want to lock in some picks? Um. <clears throat> Let's uh, start off the right way um, with the henchman with the largest spot in my heart because he is the largest henchman, I think, of this draft. Um, Jaws. Okay. He's really big. He's a really big guy. He's a really big like, guy. Like, in real life, the guy that plays him, uh, what's his name, Peter? Um, I mean, not counting, you know, like, all of the man spiders together. That is that is more mass than Jaws, but (laughs) for single, Vader might be taller. Vader might be taller. Sorry, Richard Keel, Um, seven seven foot one and a half inches tall. He is really tall, and you can see this on display uh, when uh, it's in um, Happy Gilmore. He is responding to uh, Shooter McGavin. He is leaning on somebody, and he is, like, basically, like, the, you know, his mid-rib cage is above this guy's head. Yeah. Yeah. My, my only thought was, I know uh, Richard Keel is taller, but uh, Lenny Montana, who played Luca Brasi, might have more girth. He might be a denser hench. Because he's 6'6", six, six, he's still a huge guy. So he would, but, be, he would be a dense hench. Yeah, he's a dense hench, definitely. Gotcha. Okay. And then, of course, I've got Vader, who's a robo-hench, and mm-hmm. robots are heavy, but... Yeah, that's true. Robots are heavy. Ben? Um, well, if we're going, if we're going with, our, with our big guys, I'm going to go with Luca Brasi. Okay. Swap villains. Which hench is more successful? Oh. <laughs> so we have Jaws working for Don Corleone. Yes. And then we've got Luca Brasi working for... Uh, Take a pick. <laughs> for either Hugo Drax or... If you get this next one, I'm seriously impressed. 
It's not Largo because that's Thunderball. Uh, it's we are starting to feel exactly how long ago the Bond draft was, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, also. Uh, the Spy Who Loved Me is, I think, one of the worst Bond movies I've ever seen. I love The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, this is That is the hill I die on. The Spy Who Loved Me is one of my favorite Bond films. You know what's weird? We're talking about the two films that Jaws shows up in. Yeah. And you decide to die on the hill of The Spy Who Loves Me instead of Moonraker, which I love, but is kind of universally reviled. <laughs> um, Carl Stromberg. Stromberg, okay. <laughs> By the way. That is... Is the shipping magnate that, uh... Believes all life should move under the sea. Yes. As opposed to the sequel, which believes all life should move to space. <laughs> yes. Those are the same movie made back-to-back. It is annoying. Uh, <laughs> just one is better than the other. And you guys differ on which is which. Uh, all right. So, Chris, there are moments in the life of a crime family um, where you, you kind of move up to the next... Uh, the next stage of, of evolution, right? So you start off uh, as a dude running around in Sicily. Where did Don Corleone grow up? Uh, Sicily. Yeah, Sicily, yeah. right? And then New York. You know, just like heading heading around the countryside doing some small crimes. You come yeah. to New York. You do a little bit bigger crimes. You grow your family out. Um, at the at the time of, of the beginning of The Godfather 1, um, the Corleone family is... Not at the same level as something like Spectre. They are, they have the, they have the organization. Um, they have maybe the style. Um, they've got characters. Mm-hmm. S- some some members of the Corleone uh, crime family wouldn't be out of place in Bond films. In fact, um, mm-hmm. I think some True. of those actors played characters <laughs> in Bond films. Um, I mean, I'm not going to do the research on that, and I'm just going to let it slide. Well, this is why we need Keith on the podcast, because he would just know. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure no, uh, but none of the, many of them would fit in. Fit with in, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's fine. So, so, so how do you move upwards, right? you you gotta, you got to bring in new talent. That's what it's like in the IT world. Um, that's what it's like in, uh, in, in the corporate world. you got to bring in people who know how to do things. Um, and so when you want to send uh, Frito to sleep with the fishes, um, what better way to do that than by sending a henchman named after fishes, um, specifically named after a giant shark Okay. in, in the movie Jaws? Um, <laughs> Didn't those movies come out before Jaws? Yeah, J- Jaws predates Jaws. Okay. Well, I don't so, think it predates the book. Ooh. Maybe. <laughs> okay, so either... Is it, so, Jaws is also <laughs> literary Bond, though, isn't he? I'm not sure. I think he is. Regardless, you're going with... You're bringing somebody on the team who is either is either the inspiration for Spielberg creating a giant monster shark or is inspired by <laughs> said monster shark. Um, and I think that there's nothing that a normal kind of vanilla crime family uh, could do to kind of upgrade their uh, their hench bench their hench bench yes thank you Ben (laughs) Uh, uh, you know increase their prestige uh, so much as bringing on somebody uh, who can bend metal pipes with his jaw um, his his titular jaw Um, so yeah um, also I'm just going to say it I don't think that uh, 
I don't think that the Godfather ends up being quite so grim a tale with Jaws in it. He brings a certain kind of, uh, uh, for being a villain, or sorry, for being a henchman, whose power kind of implies that, like, he kills people by biting them, right? Yes, he, do- he does. Yeah. He does. We see it. Yeah. Um, he brings a certain amount of levity to, this, to the situation, don't he? <laughs> a lot more in Moonraker than he does in, uh... <laughs> Uh, the spy who loved me. But you know, he, he's a master of of of, uh, of disguise. So long as that disguise is large enough to fit him. So if you need to take somebody out at a, a parade, for instance, you just got to get him a novelty size clown head to put on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So while uh, you were finishing up there, I did a quick Google check. <laughs> Which came first, Jaws or Jaws? Um, yeah. Jaws came first. Oh, okay. So uh, Jaws was released in 1975. And The Spy Who Loved Me, Jaws' first appearance, was released in 1977. Oh, okay. So they would have been filming slash writing afterwards at the pace that they were making Bond movies at that time. Sure. Mm-hmm. So Jaws the movie came before Jaws the character. Now, I was right. There is a literary Jaws, but it is only in the adaptions, not in the Ian Fleming originals. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. that's what I was getting confused in my brain meets. Yeah. Um, so there we are. Okay. So Jaws named after Jaws. Yep. Or his, you know, the part of the face that is metal for him. Yeah, but I mean, you're going to put it past the broccolis to try and capitalize on someone else's money? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> also, just to pitch this That's scene. That's how the broccolis get their butter. <laughs> just to pitch this scene, right? Uh, beginning of The Godfather, we see Luca Brasi going over his lines. Pan the camera left to see Jaws trying to go over lines, but he can't talk because he has a giant metal mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ben, I think out of all of the people on our lists, Luca Brasi and Jaws would have the most to commiserate over. <laughs> like, if there was, like, a hench mixer, they would be, like, the guys at the bar just being like, right. <laughs> Ooh, the hench bench would be a good bar type. Oh, bar my name. God. Can we open a bar named the hench bench? <laughs> oh, you That's also, have- like, a great... Uh, TV idea that's like sort of like a soup. Was it super? No heroes. Oh, no, no heroes. No no heroics. <laughs> no heroics. That's yes. it. Yeah. Uh, where it's just a bar where henchmen hang out. <laughs> cool. Uh, TM, 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 TM. <laughs> this is our intellectual property now. We are developing this show, and this is proof of it. Uh, this was recorded on. Um, Don't tell them that we're not ahead. They'll yeah. know we've got no lead time. This was recorded sometime before Sunday, April the seventh. Yeah. Definitely not on Sunday, the April Sunday, April the seventh. Though we definitely don't have a WrestleMania party to go to. Nope. <laughs> okay, Ben. But I believe that Luca Brasi is—he is somebody who's seen as so dangerous that. Uh, the, the bad guys of the, the Godfather film, uh, the, the Turk uh, and uh, the uh, Bazzini family, they can't even risk the idea that this guy might be changing sides. They have to kill him immediately uh, as soon as they get the opportunity because they know he's, he's so dangerous you can't even hope that he's he's joining your team. Okay. Uh, he is the kind of guy who would not get into a long, drawn-out, ha-ha, I let James Bond punch me. Well, we prove that 
his punches do nothing to me fight, he would just kill James Bond. Um, he would not, and I mean, it's sad. At the end of both of their first movies, they both end up swimming with the fishes. But I believe that when it comes to handling antagonists, you had to come after Luca Brasi from behind after he was already knifed to a table. Okay. So, uh, my options here are um, Luca Brasi kills James Bond with no remorse and ends the movie half an hour in. Or... It's more like an hour. Like an hour in? Okay. Or Jaws trying to fit in with a bunch of Italian mobsters and biting dudes. Um, I was killed five minutes into the movie. No, No, I I would say that my my point was that he prevents the fall of the Corleone family. Not that he tries to fit in. I think he'd fit in great. (laughs) I just, like... Like, Jaws gets sent to go get the horse's head. You know, like... He doesn't even have to bring a tool. Yeah, exactly. He's got it. Um, And I could see that being a real asset. Uh, to the Corleone, and also just the film The Godfather. I think I think putting Jaws in that movie is going to change things up in a way that's fun and exciting. It's pretty good. As opposed to putting Luca Brasi in James Bond. I'm probably not going to enjoy that movie. It's probably going to be like half of a Daniel Craig Bond and then it's over. And I'm just like, why? We all knew. <laughs> it would be... It would be a... It would be it would be an interesting juxtaposition because it would be a Craig uh, henchman in a uh, more movie, more movie, yeah, which is a Brosnan movie, maybe, maybe, which I like. Okay, so, uh, but it's it's an interesting choice. I think I'm gonna go with Jaws though. Ah, um, but you both that was well fought, gentlemen. Thank you. So, um. Just, just as like an uh, an aside, <clears throat> Batista's character in uh, was it Spectre? Yes, yes, yeah. Batista's character in Spectre was kind of like a homage to Jaws, right? Yes. Yeah, because um, he's kind of a silent type. Says one thing in the whole film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how cool would it have been? If they had, because they did this, like, um, uh, they did this in the same film where they brought back a character from a previous iteration of Bond. How cool would it have been if at the end of that film, you see a scene of, like, Batista getting reconstructive surgery after falling out of the train, and they're like, they show some plans for, like, grafting in a metal jaw. <laughs> I mean, I would you don't su- see him die. <laughs> I would that be would have super been psyched. too much forethought <laughs> for a Craig Bond movie. Also, important note. Uh, Jaws was never involved with Spectre. Yeah. Because the Moore movies did not involve Spectre. Because of lawsuits. Alright. Well, the next <laughs> match is Ben versus Jaffer. Alright. You want to lock one in, Ben? Hmm. <sighs> yeah? Okay. I'll just go ahead and mark that off. I'm going with Darth Vader. So that that, <laughs> that right there, that is Foley work. <laughs> I know. <laughs> because because Benjamin is not Darth Vader, he is simply pretending to be Darth Vader for the microphone. Okay. Um, so I'm going to apologize right now, Chris. Because you haven't picked up Jazz Horse in a while, have you? Jazz Horse? Yeah. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> so there's going to be some spoilers. It's because I don't, I don't know Ben if picked a henchman 
who uh, fights against, uh, you know, a leader who's demanding his faith and turns on him and ends up dying for it. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Arthur Morgan. I don't know if I'm going back to play Red Dead 2 because I'm still kind of tore up over my horse. It's fucking fantastic. It's true. But how many horses did you have to kill? None. My horse made it all the way through. Uh, my horse, yeah, I mean... Yes. Wait, wait, Pickles, Pickles was solid. So, I killed 100% more horses. So, yes. So I win. <laughs> That's not the goal of the game. <laughs> really? No. Because, because there was a lot of verisimilitude put into the fucking depiction of killing a horse. <laughs> I'll have to take your word for it. I didn't kill any of my horses. I didn't want to, Ben. Me and Gavroche rode off into the sunset. It was the humane thing to do. It was the humane thing to do. I named my horse Gavroche. Pickles. Yeah. My horse was Pickles. <laughs> I would name my horse Rosinante. That's uh, Don Quixote's horse. Oh, okay. Okay. <clears throat> For a second, my mind went Don Juan and then could not move on from that. I'm like, <laughs> no, Don Juan did not have a horse, I don't think. Diabolical plans are easy. Hiring is hard. What's your henchman's sales pitch to hire additional lackeys? So, one of the things about running a galactic empire that you need to think about is how do you employ the levels of bureaucracy you need to run a galactic empire? Fortunately, when you're in charge, you've got, you know... The money, you've got the resources, you've got the bennies. Yep. You've got the retirement plan, you've got the uh, the 401k. And this is where we bring in our podcast's first sponsor, ZipRecruiter. <laughs> 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 so you're able to make that pitch to, you know, all the, all the disaffectioned people out there who are looking just for a way to change their life. And you can say, help, help me, Darth Vader. Bring order to the galaxy. Help yourself, help your family, and help me. Also, I'll choke you if you don't. Fair. Oh, the Empire may have the Bennies, but over here we have the Lennies. <laughs> so, <laughs> when you join the gang, your family, you're one of us, and we ride together and we die together. Okay, I was about to say, I'm going to need you to put on more accent, but you addressed that I, I was quickly. slowly, yes, I, was, I, was, I was like, a, just working my way into the accent. I can't just start the accent, All right. but I can slowly work my way into it. Now, we're going to do a couple things. We're looking for one more big score. That's all we need. Just one more big score. And then we're going somewhere tropical. We're going to live out the rest of our lives. And you can get in on that deal right now by helping on this one last score and before we do that last score we're gonna go to a bar and get real drunk lenny <laughs> lenny is that you <laughs> lenny lenny where'd you go boy <laughs> and also lenny because he's fucking great <laughs> you may need a little bit of faith to join the 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 arthur morgan's gang darth vader finds your lack of faith disturbing Um, 
You know, for the segue alone. <laughs> for the segue alone. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> it's yeah. Why need? Who needs Benny's when you've got Lenny's? <laughs> that point goes to Jafar. Yes. <laughs> Also because I was real happy with that. Also because he played to the one part of the game that I got to play through before having to tragically kill my horse. <laughs> All right, the next match is Jafar versus Chris. All right, I'm reaching into the Stormtrooper helmet. Um and it's this it's my second match of the debate, so I think I'm going to go with uh, number 2. I'm going to go with the only henchman on my list that could cut you literally into two pieces. Pyramid Head. Okay. Couldn't the Count? No. He's got a sword. Yes, but they're not for cutting. It's a rapier. It's for cutting and stabbing. Yes, but primarily for... cutting someone in half. But primarily for for thrusting. Um, You don't cut some... You could maybe cut somebody's hand off if you were very good. This is a very well-made sword, and they were not wearing armor, and... Yeah. Like, clean cut in half? Maybe clean... No way. Clean cut in hand off? Maybe. They're, like, standing still and letting you, but that's just weird. <laughs> Criteria! Reapers are pretty cutty, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, there's a difference between cutty and choppy. Yeah. yeah. Now, Darth Vader... He could cut you in half. He can cut you in half. Well, yeah, I mean, no laser swords. Yeah. Like a hot laser sword through a human who ends up kind of being like butter. Yeah. So, it's Ice Cream Christmas. Shout out to Tights and Fights, a.k.a. AKA WrestleMania. That's today. Yes. <laughs> which here, which uh, hench cuts the better promo? <laughs> Can't wait to hear this pyramid head promo. <laughs> Jafar? Pyramid head. You think I might be a little nervous going into our match on the grandest stage of them all. <laughs> and I see that giant sword you're carrying dragging behind you. And you might think I'm nervous, but I'm not nervous because I'm the number two man around here. That's right. I'm number two. Now, while you were in a giant rape dream dungeon thing, nightmare hellscape, I was creating a business, a legitimate way to earn millions upon millions of dollars, all while being extraordinarily evil. For you see, not only have I invested deeply in the Nestle Corp in Starbucks and sold it to the Nestle Corporation. But I've also turned our side business into a talent agency. A Hollywood talent agency. Where we can just be evil to everyone here. And you might not have known this. But we have your contract, Pyramid Head. Did you know that? No, you didn't, because you were too busy dragging that sword and looking around things. So you might be asking yourself, who do you work for? Well, I'll tell you. And I know who number two works for. <laughs> Chris? Cool. Um, 
So I'm not going to reciprocate the the format of that bit. Um, just want to just want to make that clear. Um, I'm going to tell more of a story. Um, I'm thinking of this as a promo, kind of like a video package plus kind of a promo, right? All right. <clears throat> so let's say you're sitting in the crowd at WrestleMania. Um, you've been really excited. I'm, I'm telling this from the point of view of one of the one of the, one of the the audience, right? Yes. Um, so you are you're watching. Let's say Ben, mm-hmm. right? You're at WrestleMania. Ooh. You got good tickets. All right. Um, and you're watching. <clears throat> you've you've seen some pretty pretty great matches. You know, um, uh, Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Roman Reigns won. Um, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. Um, Roman Reigns won. <laughs> uh, that that match was actually canceled. Uh, so you know, kind of unfortunate. Um, Triple H versus Batista. Triple H won, but Batista was injured pretty badly and taken out of the ring. Um, Bobby Lashley versus Finn Balor. Um, Finn Balor came out as the demon. That's rare. Uh. And, uh, and, and, and Bobby Lashley won. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a great night for wrestling, really. Um, Brock Lesnar beat Seth Rollins. Oh. Uh, and of course, you know, the, the match that everybody's excited about, uh, winner take all Ronda Rousey v Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch. Who are you really hoping for, Ben? I'm rooting for uh, Becky Lynch. Yeah, that was it. Was Rousey all the way? Oh, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> it's yeah, the most disappointing WrestleMania in history. Mm-hmm. And of course, the match of matches, right? The WWE Championship: Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. Uh, Kofi wins. Huh? Okay, okay. But that's because Daniel Bryan really badly hurts his neck again. Oh. So you're sitting there, Ben. Oh no. Oh, no. Fairly disappointed. Oh, no. Um, and the light starts to get a little strange. Oh, no. In in, in the... Uh, is it Madison Square Garden? Yes. No, it's no, not. No, it's not. No. It's in New Jersey. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. A fate worse than death. Um, and, and, and the light is just strange. And all of a sudden, it looks like... Oh, that what? This... WrestleMania is starting to look a little bit more like Hell in a Cell. Chris, has the draw distance gotten really, really bad? It has <laughs> been. Oh, no. <laughs> All of a sudden, the lights turn out for a second, and then they turn back on. But only one single spotlight, highlighting a disgusting figure in the middle of the ring. He's wearing an apron, an enormous metal pyramid on his head. For which he is aptly named. Bray Wyatt? <laughs> and the Great Cleaver. A wickedly sharp, r- terribly rusty, basically, you just have to touch this thing and you're going to get tetanus. Um, it's, it's his knife. Um, you look around, like, at the audience. Mm-hmm. Is, is everybody seeing this? This is so strange. This is such a... Weird, nightmarish hellscape. Oh, but but Ben, all of the rest of the audience, they're all mannequins. You're the only person in there with pyramid head. And then the lights go out. Forever. Perhaps you shouldn't have murdered your wife. Well, 
Those are two two very interesting promo packages. Then the lights come back on, and Paul Heyman. <laughs> <laughs> but one of them sent to me to New Jersey, which is just unacceptable. Uh, so I have to give it to Chris because it was just it was it was too terrifying. Is New Jersey? God. Silent Hill is kind of like the world took a heel turn. Thank you, Ben. So it's just normal life these days. <laughs> since since 2016, we've been living in silent America. <laughs> that explains uh. a couple of things. Next match is Ben versus Chris. Okay. Did you like my highly unsatisfying match predictions? No, I did not. <laughs> Yeah, that's and that's as close as our listeners are going to get to our WrestleMania predictions this year because today is WrestleMania and we haven't recorded any until now. Nope. So, oh, that was rough. Okay, I will go with Benny from the Mummy. Okay, I love Benny. Benny is the best. Ba 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 Benny and the Mummy. <clears throat> okay, well, I, give me a moment because I think I need to kind of like switch myself out of a certain kind of mindset now. Um. Okay, I'll keep it in the video game world, and I'm going to go with my man, uh, secretly, uh, maybe, Liquid Snake, also the President of the United States, I think. No, that was Solidus. Triple, triple <laughs> quadruple agent? I don't know. The quadruple's probably Quadruple close. agent, Revolver Ocelot. All right. He was loyal to Big Boss the entire time. We'll never know that for certain, though. <laughs> Pretty sure. Pretty sure. All right. Well, let me reach into this stormtrooper helmet here. <laughs> Which hench person is most loyal? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, indeed. <laughs> ben. So Benny. On the surface, might not appear to be very loyal, and and in depth, does not appear to be very loyal. But Benny is loyal beyond all expectations to one thing: the survival of Benny. Benny is loyal to Benny, and Benny will do what Benny needs to survive. And as long as Benny's survival relies on being around you. He will be the best henchman ever. It doesn't matter that you're revisiting the, the great plagues of Egypt on the world. Does it matter that you're trying to kill everyone to bring back your dead girlfriend? <clears throat> Benny don't care. Benny is willing to look past these things. Because you can kill Benny. <laughs> and Benny doesn't want to die. <laughs> and... Well, Benny is incredibly smarmy throughout the mummy, we forget he is a member of the French Foreign Legion, which re requires a base level of badass that we don't really see from Benny, but we have to know was there in order for him to become a corporal in the French Foreign Legion. And so or, when... Or he killed the corporal, took his clothes. <laughs> that's... <laughs> because O'Connell is a sergeant in the French Foreign Legion, and he knows him and is counting on him. And unfortunately... When Benny's survival is questioned, is put into doubt by O'Connell's uh, decision to stay and fight in Hamanoptera, Benny does what's best for Benny. 
Benny is always looking out for Benny. And the one person Benny can always trust is Benny. Okay. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> can anyone trust Revolver Ocelot? Or know whose side he's on? <laughs> Revolver Ocelot can't even trust Revolver Ocelot when he's half liquid snake. It's it's so bad. Revolver Chris, make your argument. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Does he just put everybody's names in on the side of bullets, spin it, and see whose team he's on? <laughs> Revolver Ocelot. Um, I mean, like you said, loyal to Big Boss almost the entire time. Right? He starts off in the Gru. Yes. Yeah, I think the Gru. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> dramatic uh, first confrontation with. With boss in the jungles of uh, Selino Yarsk, uh, is mm-hmm. that yes, yeah, that's right, Selino Yarsk, um, where uh, Ocelot's entire platoon uh, attempts to take down boss. Uh, I, I, I shouldn't say I shouldn't shorten it to boss because there's another character in the first one, or sorry, in in, in Snake Eater referred to as boss. Yeah, there's okay. boss and there's big boss. Big boss, sorry, but he's not even he's not big boss until at that the point. End of that. And yeah, okay, so yeah. the the term the naming gets real real funky. Well, there's it's just there's always one boss. <laughs> there's always one boss, um, and and every time they get slightly bigger. So <laughs> <laughs> biggest boss, huge boss, <laughs> boss Nass, <laughs> played by Brian Blessed. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, so Ocelot sees his, his entire platoon get taken out by a single dude, right? Yeah. And he goes in cause he's like hot shit to take out this dude who has just wiped out his entire platoon. Um, only to be soundly defeated by this guy, um, who then, um, rather than kill him, decides to lecture him about how he should use revolvers instead of automatic pistols. <laughs> um, which clearly worked so well for him a mere minutes ago. <laughs> now, to be now to be to be clear, Ocelot is like trying to do all these sort of fancy trick shots with like this, you know, Walther PPK basically. And it's not a Walther, but it's like a it's like a smaller handgun. He's like tossing it around, like manually ejecting shells and stuff. Um, and I, I guess Ocelot, like from that point forward is Revolver Ocelot, right? Yeah. Is he still crepuscular? <laughs> he, I think he goes back and forth. We see him at night quite a bit, but we also see him in the daytime quite a bit. Um, uh, but, but there's nothing quite as magical as the relationship between a man and his gun. And Revolver Ocelot is so loyal to his gun that it's in his name. Um, and he decides to be somebody else in order to trick the global AIs controlling the warfare state. Um, but ultimately it's a trick and he is Revolver Ocelot at the end of it, but maybe not. But he's always got that gun. Sometimes we have luck of the draws on this podcast where one person just wins. <laughs> I think 
This is our first dud of the draw. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think you both just lose. What? No, you can't do that. Um, can I? No, because that gives you a distinct advantage in getting more points. It, it does, but guys, come on. Really, like, most loyal. <laughs> Benny and Revolver Ocelot. Probably two of them. Uh, there's, oh, God, I can't. I can't let either of them win this. I don't know what to do here. Um, let's just say that you put them in a gunfight because they're both military and <laughs> let them fight it out. Because that- Who do you think wins in a gunfight? Benny or Revolver, Os- Revolver Ocelot? <laughs> I think Brendan Fraser and Snake look at it and go, what is going on? Ugh. <laughs> uh. All right, where's the coin? Revolver Ocelot's not even loyal to himself. (laughs) You know what? That's fair. Revolver Ocelot. He is... No, no. Literally gets his brain taken over by Liquid Snake at one point. No, it's it's like literally canon that it was an act. (laughs) Is Is it? it? There was only one way that he could fool um, the Patriots AI, and that was to be... Uh, liquid so convincingly that they would obey his orders. And so that's what he does. He attaches Liquid's arm to his own, uh, also because he doesn't have an arm and needs one, and Liquid just so happens to be dead nearby. right? And that's how arms work. Gotta respect that kind of thrif- thriftiness, right? Um, but yeah, no, he, like, it's in- it's intentional. Like, he, he, like, basically goes so deep undercover that he loses himself? No! He comes out at the end. At the end, I just... He is so loyal to his own goals, and just saying, his goals are quite murky and mysterious, but that's Hideo Kojima's fault, not Revolver Ocelot's fault. Ben, call it in the air. (laughs) All right. Tails. Heads. Chris gets the point. This is bullshit, man. (laughs) I didn't want to give a point to either of you, so... All right, next match is Jafar versus Ben. Now we're all sad. I'm going to take Grima Wormtongue. And I'm going to take Damar. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Damar is the Star Trek one? Yes. Yes. Real talk, do you have another pick? Because I won't get your references about it. And I Will d- you get my references to Guy of Gisborne? No. Yeah. How was watching Star Trek going, Chris? <laughs> how's, anyway. how's reading just anything about uh, <laughs> Robin Hood? One of the most ubiquitous characters of all time. <laughs> hey, I watched the Russell Crowe film. <laughs> Guy of Gisborne, I don't remember if he's in that. I know he's in the... Uh, Is he uh, in the flippy shit one? Because I want to watch that. I don't know. Probably. I need to watch that. Uh, I know he's in the uh, uh, Prince of Thieves. And he's in the very good BBC show played by Richard Armitage. <laughs> All right. Fair, fair enough. I will... <laughs> in, a, in the interest of reciprocating interest... I'll, I'll try to be more sensitive to the Star Trek nature of your character. Um, I have 
watched a tiny bit of Star Trek since last episode. Not a lot. Yeah. Um, mostly, I, I mean, mostly Orville's fun, more fun to watch right now. Orville's great. Orville is great. Okay. And so is Discovery. We can like more than one sci-fi thing, people. It's true. Gentlemen, which henchman has the best death slash defeat? Okay, so um, Grim Wormtongue. We're going to go with his death in the books. Okay. Here, because it's different in the movies. Um, so uh, Saruman gets overthrown by hobbits. Yep. Instead of the Ents. Because yeah. he takes over uh, the Hobbit lands. Yeah. The Shire? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So in uh, that's what happens in the books instead of the movies. So instead of the Ents and everything overthrowing Saruman's tower, he, uh, the Hobbits uh, rebel and uh, Grima Wormtongue is there with Saruman. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of which, a Hobbit rebellion... Is that the only rebellion in which more uh, attention is paid to the infrastructure of feeding the troops than uh, arming them to fight? <laughs> well, that's a thing because Frodo <laughs> offers Grima food and shelter as uh, during the Hobbit Rebellion is like, uh, like, no, it's fine. You know, like Frodo's like trying to prove his goodness, you know, not even try to prove, but proves his goodness in that. Um, and then uh, Saruman finds out about this. And reveals to the hobbits that Grima murdered and pot and implies that he ate um, Lotho Sackville Baggins, which is a kinsman of Frodo. <laughs> Grima, in turn, kills Saruman. Yes. And then is killed immediately by hobbit archers. <laughs> hobbit archers. <laughs> so you kill your boss, um, like the number two of the whole organization there. All right. And then get shot by Hobbit archers, which just primo. Do you think eating a Hobbit is like having foie gras because of the richness of their diet? <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely cage fed. <laughs> <laughs> they're cage fed, but they're really, really well fed. <laughs> I don't know that I want to think about eating Hobbits, guys. Well, I'm sure they're tender. Not a whole lot of activity. <laughs> Can walk for forever though. Yeah. Probably better if they're barbecued or stewed than just outright, you know, grilled, right? The right. weird thing about hobbits is they probably, while being sad about it, know the best way to make hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> they're not upset that Grima ate them so much as how? <laughs> how? It's like, God you damn it, man! Hobbit. If you're gonna eat a hobbit, you gotta you gotta roast it, you know, over there hickory. Were, there were no, there was no pot. There were no capers in the pot. There were no potatoes. <laughs> no leeks. No carrots. So this is gonna spoil a lot, like a lot of the end of Deep Space Nine. Which, oh no, twenty five year old show. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Demar, as I mentioned when I drafted him, goes from being the second guy on a shitty ship to right-hand man of the Cardassian Robin Hood to uh, second man to the leader of the Cardassian state to leader of the Cardassian state when that guy decides to, to fuck off and become uh, a demon. <laughs> An evil space demon. Yes. The deep Space Nine is awesome. Uh, um, so he is left in a position where he is in charge, like 
ostensibly in charge of Cardassia and all of its military and peoples, but he was put in a position where Cardassia is subservient to the Dominion. And it is destroying him, it is eating him up inside. He, for a lot of the last season, drinks heavily because he hates not having any, you know, control over, uh, you know, Cardassians are very prideful people. And Mm -hmm. instead of saying, hey, I'm on the bad guy side, I'm going to have this, I'm going to get the most out of it I can, he says... I'm a Cardassian. I'm going to get the best deal for my people I can. And he stages a coup. He decides to start fighting the Dominion, the big bad guys. And he becomes an underground resistance leader. And it's a fun uh, reversal of roles because when we first started out in Deep Space Nine, a lot of the characters are people who were resistance fighters against the Cardassians. And now they're showing Cardassians how to you know, be underground fighters and lead, you know, lead a rebellion. And as they're storming the, uh, the palace to take out the, the heads of the dominion and end the war, he gets shot a lot <laughs> while dual wielding, uh, space lasers. <laughs> and it's pretty badass. Uh, and he instantly becomes a martyr and a, uh, a rallying cry to to go and to fight and to win for Damar. This guy who should have probably been the second guy on a shitty ship became the guy that all of Cardassia could rally and rebuild around. He became an inspiration for billions. <clears throat> okay. And it's a really cool death scene. <laughs> <laughs> so we have um, ate some hobbits, killed his boss, got shot by hobbits... <laughs> Yep. Yeah. And um, space martyr. Space martyr. <laughs> Dual wielding space lasers. <laughs> Dual wielding space martyr plays more to my to my heart. Hobbit archers, man. <laughs> Hobbit archers. <laughs> I'm giving this one to Ben. <laughs> hey, I finally got a point. <laughs> getting right. sh- getting cool. shot by Hobbit archers is kind of a really shitty way to go. <laughs> uh. Was Before he, we go into the finals, okay, sorry. Was Grimo Wormtongue dual wielding Hobbit, <laughs> Hobbit like ham hocks? <laughs> Before we go into the final, uh, I did get a, a a tweet at us from my history guy, uh, who's way better than the OK history guy. Um, That's M I history guy. Yeah, and he gave us his list of who he would have picked for uh, for. Uh, henchmen, henchmen. Yeah. Uh, Bebop, and, Bebop and Rocksteady, they're mm-hmm. a team. Yeah. Fat Man and Little Boy, they're a team. I think he means the Bobs? Uh, <laughs> I don't... I, are they I, henchmen for Truman? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> there is one Metal Gear Solid villain called... Could we have taken the Death Star? Fat Man. I don't think so, because it's a thing. I, I'm not sure what he meant know. by that. Yeah, uh, we had him at the table. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, they're a team. Yep. Uh, Glasau Raban and Fade Ratha Haban, or Raban. Uh, they're a team. They're kind of like a one-two punch, though. Yeah. Also, like, like they're being used ag- across purposes. Well, so yeah. So I mean, the whole the whole thing with. Oh, sorry. Um, play the stinger. Present visions. 
I'm not in the mood. Not in the mood. Mood's a thing for cattle and love play, not fighting. Not in the mood for details. Now you listen to me. I want details and I want them right now. I don't have a job. I have no place to go. You're not in the mood. Well, you get in the mood. Present visions of Dune. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, so the whole deal with Raban is that he's like going in to soften the populace by being as shitty a ruler as possible. So then Fadratha comes in and is like, hey, I'm not going to indiscriminately kill all of you. And all of the citizens of Arrakis are just like, hooray, somebody slightly less bad. Yeah. This has been prescient visions of Dune. Uh, and then five uh, henchmen, 21 and 24. They're a team, even in death. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, History Guy definitely has a theme going along, picking henchman teams. All right. Nice gambit there, uh, my History Guy. You can follow him at MI History Guy <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> we'll ask you to follow people who tweet us, but we won't ask you to follow us on pod. Yeah. <laughs> we will, however, ask you kindly. <laughs> Please. Uh, no. <laughs> no. No, no, that's fine. Chris, your last pick. Oof. I think that I'm going to go with... Um, The only person who can really stand up to the Joker. All right. Batman. Yeah, Batman. That's totally Batman. That's Batman. He's, Swear to me! He's Superman's henchman, right? <laughs> oh, I just pissed off so many nerds. <laughs> I'm going with uh, Dr. Harleen Quinzel. Harley Quinn. I saw a really funny thing that was uh, the Justice League in the Batplane, and it was, when you're so badass, you make people not fly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, all these people can fly. <laughs> all right. Um, well, Ben. Yeah? Um, I just want you to know, as I take this pick, I don't, I don't need to say anything else. I'm, but I am taking the man spiders from the bunker. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just... Uh, Are they related to the spiders from Mars? Probably not, but maybe. Okay. Maybe some of them were, depending on if they were men who were bit by spiders or spiders who were bit sure. by men. It also maybe they were men who were bit by the spiders from Mars. Ooh. Or maybe they were spiders bit by the spiders from the sp Mars since they were men. No, the spiders from Mars were bit by men. John Carpenter? Mm. Yeah. In. It also depends a lot on how litigious the estate of David Bowie is. I'm so. guessing pretty litigious. <laughs> okay, maybe we should not talk about the spiders um, from Mars anymore. No, because uh, Duncan Jones is on Twitter talking shit about the movie they're trying to make about his dad's life right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. It's like they're making me take a meeting. Who do you think I should insist plays my father? And he has Twitter. Tilda Swinton one, by the way. Okay. <laughs> no, because uh, if you're doing that, you want to pick, like, the weird out there answer and just be like, Keith David. Kirsten Wig. Um, Kirsten Wig. Kirsten Wig. If memory Wig serves, um, what's his name? The guy who plays uh, Ron in Harry Potter was also a popular pick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. He didn't want a good answer. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, it's your henchman's day off. How do they unwind? Okay. Um, 
So I imagine that Harley Quinn wakes up like Kesha does. <laughs> um, I think that like she wakes up in a place that might occasionally be a surprise to her. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, is this like everyday Kesha or is this like modern Kesha we talk in? Uh, wait, I don't, I don't understand. I know, I know that Kesha's a little tamer now, but, but that's just because you can't brush your teeth with a bottle of Jack for 20 years. Um, no, it's real bad for your teeth. <laughs> yeah, it's real, it is real bad for your teeth. I'm just, <laughs> and your liver. <laughs> I'm just wondering where you're at, you know. Is she feeling like P. Diddy? Yeah, yeah. I think okay. I think that she, she wakes up with the remnants of the previous day, uh, or previous night, uh, yeah. surrounding her. Yeah, she grabs her glasses, she's out the door, she's going to hit the city. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, she leaves, she brushes her teeth with the bottle of Jack, because when she leaves for the night, she ain't coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So don't stop, punch a cop, baby body, don't stop. <laughs> Tonight, I'm a fight till I see the bad light. <laughs> I think that, um, <laughs> so I think after breakfast, um, she heads over to the, you know, Museum of, of Natural Science and History. Gotham Museum of Natural Science and History, the Gunst. Uh, Gunch. Gunch? Yeah. Um, Gunch. Uh, to meet up with Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they have a nice, a wonderful date walking through the exhibits, uh, making fun of the animals. Um, Poison Ivy, of course, makes all of the plants grow into strange shapes uh, that cause the children to be delighted. Oh, um, Harley Quinn probably makes balloon animals for kids as she walks through. Um, probably inappropriate balloon animal animals. Oh, certainly. Um, and I think that they finish off with a sunset stroll uh, through Gotham's uh, Central Park. I don't know if Gotham has a Central Park, but it I is. It is New York, so it has to have some sort of park. Um, uh, they they probably you know make a point of fighting off some muggers, uh, rescuing some people before um, you know stealing off into the the middle of the woods for some uh, kinky uh, animated plant stuff. All right. Jafar? <clears throat> okay. Well, um, the man spiders from the bunker, they don't get a lot of time off. As we know, they're pretty busy around here, and Henry runs a tight ship. Yes, he does. Uh, you know, he gets that from his mom. So, yeah. the, they do get time off. Um, they can't really leave the bunker because there is no such thing as really leaving the bunker. As far as we know. Yeah, I mean, temporary reprieve aside. You don't really leave, and even then, any time that we've thought we've left, I'm not entirely sure that we actually did. Um, so, but they do have a room that they like to hang out in. Mm-hmm. I've been told. Um, you know, it's the the Weird and Gilly room, and they get down there and they jam. <laughs> they play guitar, just rock out. Yeah. It's a good way to spend a day off. Yeah. Now, a thousand guitar players at the same time does just sound like being at a guitar center. Uh, yes. Um, so every man, but they're spider... not all playing the well, same song. That's true. And which so is just definitely like... what happens at guitar centers. Everyone's playing stairway. This stairway. It's the same goddamn riff. And every man spider has four arms or has eight arms, which means that they are all playing four-necked guitars. Well, okay, so. <laughs> 
here's the thing about the man spiders is they play two double necked guitars okay. because they're wide bass. They need four of those legs to stand. So it's not like you can play good. They're not going to roll on their back. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, also, there's only so much torso space. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that, well, both of these are, you know, good days. One resonates with me more because I'm stuck in a bunker. So the man spiders. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That takes us to the finals, which is Chris versus Jaffer. <clears throat> All right. Um, well, I'm going to go with my man, Count Rugen. Okay. And I will go with 21 and 24. All right. And I am once again judging. Okay. Which henchman has the best defining characteristic? What makes them unique? It is important for a good henchman to stand out from the rest of the henching crowd. So, Chris, what makes Count Rugen unique? Well, there's an easy answer here, mm -hmm. um, and that is, uh, what is Inigo Montoya looking for? The man who killed my father? Yes, but specifically, he asks uh, one question quite a bit. Have you seen a man with a six finger on his right hand? Yes. It is extraordinarily distinctive. Um, not the least because he requires very special tailoring. He wears gloves quite a bit, right? So there's at least two or three people who know from having to order and create his gloves that there is a man with six fingers out there. Um, but that's the easy answer. Mm -hmm. um, I think what really distinguishes him is his love of science. Um, so the, the world of the Princess Bride, um, not the framing story, which is set in like 1980s? Chicago. Chicago, something yeah. like that, yeah. Um, but the world of the Princess Bride is a world without science, really. It's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fantasy world. Um, but here we have a man who is focused on learning. Um, and, and what he's trying to learn how to do um, is to suck. <laughs> he says... Um, it's not unlike the action of sucking, but he's sucking life, right? Yes. So he is distinctive in how much he sucks at life. Um, and he manages to do a ludicrous amount of things, being that it is ultimately powered by a water wheel. It is water powered, and he makes a device that can suck the life out of somebody. True. Um, now I don't know really if he's like a, real, a true scientist, like a true scientist, if you're designing a machine that sucks life, you would also make a machine that blows life back. Right. Um, so I don't know if really, if he blows, um, but he definitely sucks at life. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty distinctive. I think, um, in a world where most people are only, um, you know, riding around on horses, he's making machines to suck the life right out of you. Okay. Jafer. So 21 and 24 are fucking nerds. Yes. Um, they're constantly bantering. Um, what makes them distinct is their reactive style to things. Typically, like, 
um, Brock shows up and they're just like, oh, crap. <laughs> you know? Um, so they have a lot more fun with it than your average henchman. Um, and then 24 dies. And it causes 21 to really change as a person. Um, he carries around the skull of 24 and hangs out with his ghost for a bit. Um, and then ends up becoming henchman number one. And what drives him at that point is preventing the death of henchmen. All right. So he kind of almost, and he does eventually become a hero in that regard where he just doesn't, he's the henchman who can't let henchmen die. Yeah. Um, until he eventually uh, joins Sphinx, and that's a whole thing. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin too much for you because you haven't seen all Venture Brothers. I need to, but you you really need to because it's great. Um, so I'll, I'll leave us basically at like the end of like season four, I think, instead of upwards of six. Um, so what makes them distinct is uh, the fact that they are basically just like us, only caught up in these super villains and they were just like us just like us Uh, (laughs) yes they are just like us (laughs) that seems to make them derivative Jafar or we're derivative of them yeah yeah gotta go with Chris on this one (laughs) (laughs) oh I'm second pick didn't see that coming Who knew? Uh, I am the henchman of the draft. (laughs) (laughs) I am number two. (laughs) Well, who knew that a pick that sucks at life so much could end up winning? Well, I mean, he's a six-fingered man. (laughs) (laughs) And as number two, I get to pick the next topic. Ooh, number two. And I'm going to tell you what. Well, who does number two choose for? Number two is choosing a topic that we have been sitting on since literally the beginning of us recording we changed this we were originally going to do this as like our second or third topic and we decided against then um, for a number of reasons that I'm not going to get into now but it is finally time for us to draft sci-fi episodes ah yes because thinking about Damar going out like the fucking hero has me really wanting to rewatch that and I need an excuse to break my DS9 watch through right now and just <laughs> skip ahead. And that's going to be it. All right. All right. So sci-fi episodes is what we'll be back drafting next week. Yep. Yeah, so single episodes of sci-fi TV shows. Um, we'll say two-parters count as one. Don't abuse it. Yes. Um, Don't be like, Battlestar Galactica. It's all one long story. <laughs> um, no miniseries, I guess. Unless we want to do single episodes of a miniseries. Mm, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, don't take like the first four episodes of Battlestar Galactica, but you can take one of the first four episodes of Battlestar Galactica. Okay, yeah. so I can't take the. Oh, sorry. Play the stinger. Present visions. I'm not in the mood. Not in the mood. Moods a thing for cattle and love play, not fighting. Not in the mood for details. Now you listen to me. I want details and I want them right now. I don't have a job. I have no place to go. You're not in the mood. Well, you get in the mood. 
Transient visions of Dune. <laughs> you can't take the Dune miniseries. I can't take the whole, the first Dune miniseries, all six episodes of it? No, no. but you can take one of those six episodes. Uh, they're kind of meant to be in, in, enjoyed as one. They are. Yeah. Well, miniseries will be another draft down the line, I'm sure. Ooh, that's a good one. We should actually add that to I'm the gonna list. I'm going to add that to the list yeah. in a second here, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, so there we are. All right. In the meantime, uh, thanks as always to the Kickstand Band for our theme song, How It Feels. I don't know if Gordon is a henchman to Allison or if Allison is a henchwoman to Gordon. Um, They're, I believe... A duo. A duo, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, are they... A, but who do they hench for if they're a duo? Right now, each other. They yeah, but if they ever have kids... Wait, is marriage just a mutual henching? I mean, it's, pro- it's you promoted from henching to duo. Yeah. Interesting. And then back to henching after babies. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, yeah, check out their music at the thekickstandband.bandcamp.com. And feel free to shoot us an email at drafttheuniverse.gmail.com. Let us know what uh, henchmen you liked, what sci-fi episodes you liked. And, you know, Twitter, at DraftTheVerse, Facebook.com slash DraftTheUniverse. But also, I wanted to add a little something in here, guys. Oh. And just uh, thank everyone for listening. Yeah. And uh, if you enjoyed our podcast, maybe... Tell your friends. That'd be cool. Would you kindly tell your friends about our podcast? You, it's it's over, Chris. You don't have to. You don't have to keep that up. We can't. I really like this as a as a recurring bit. Though. Would you kindly give up that recurring bit? Absolutely. We'll see you next week, Internet. So, Damar. So, I go first. You do? I do. I pick first. Oh, okay. We don't really ever know until Jafar tells us. Yeah. It's, it's fine. There's like some semblance of an understanding of the structure of the game, but really that's a facade. Every time I think I understand it, I don't. Yeah. So, it's draft order. I know. Determines match <laughs> order, and match order determines next draft order. It's it's fine, guys. No, I can just be the only one. No, I, I, I know. It's just that you have the list in front of you. I do have the list in front of me, which helps. Yeah.